Hello and welcome to Elevating Founders, a podcast for early stage founders to hear the stories behind the change makers and disruptors in the tech sector who are responsible for tackling the world's biggest challenges. Brought to you by London Tech Week and Founders Forum. This week, we have a really insightful episode for you as Carolyn Dawson, Managing Director of Informa Tech, chats to Tim Groot, founder and CEO of Grip, the AI-powered events platform. They discuss what it takes to be an entrepreneur, the power of meaningful connections, and the importance of mentorship and communities. The sudden switch from on-site to online events in 2020 had most event organisers scrambling to find new ways to engage and monetize their audiences. And Grip, sometimes referred to as the Tinder for networking, didn't just survive, but thrive during the pandemic. In a nutshell, Grip aims to remove the FOMO of meeting interesting and relevant people at events. And in this episode, Tim explains the pain point that instigated the idea and explores the paradigm shift in how meetings and events are carried out now. Tim also reveals which entrepreneur he would choose to have dinner with and what startups he's been loving through lockdown. Over to Carolyn to kick off the conversation. Hi there, I'm Carolyn Dawson. I'm the Managing Director at Informa Tech. We're a business information provider and we run research, events, media and training all across the globe, really there to provide information for specialists in our communities all across tech. Tim, great to kind of see you today and be on this podcast with you. Tim Groot is the co-founder and CEO at GRIP. It's the world's first artificial intelligence powered event networking solution that empowers professionals to achieve their maximum networking potential at events. Tim has a BBA in International Management from the University of Applied Sciences, Amsterdam, and the Hong Kong Polytechnic University. He started his career in tech working for leading app development agency Nodes, and in 2014, Tim co-founded GRIP. I think to kind of give a scene set really to what we wanted to talk today, GRIP kicked off mainly catering to live events, However, when the pandemic hit over a year ago, there was an immediate demand for that business to shift and for that service to be all done hosted virtually, avoiding the need to cancel key events and conferences all around the world that are built into marketing and sales strategies for so many brands. Grip pivoted their business model to allow all their key clients to make that transition to digital and to provide their events in a virtual format. Grip was born out of a need in the event space to use smart technology to catalyze the most relevant and valuable connections between attendees at events. Solving this problem springboarded the company into rapid growth across scale, employees and locations. The one-by-one advice at Elevating Founders we kind of look to give startups is to talk to their customers. And I know certainly over the last year in the pandemic, um, Grip is you know, very much where a customer And I've really enjoyed the conversations that I've been able to have with Tim, which have not only been about shifting our business model into going virtual, but I think understanding strategically what that would mean for the impact for our business, not only in the short term during the pandemic, but really being able to think through strategically what our business will look like in the future. And I think especially having those conversations has been absolutely fundamental and of real value to us over the last year. This episode will explore Tim's background, the rise of virtual event platforms, its absolutely recent notable success of GRIP through the entrepreneurship and the investment lens. So Tim, how have you been during lockdown? 
I've been good. Thank you for the kind words, Caroline. That's that's uh, very flattering, and and it's so great to be here uh, on on the podcast. I think that uh, yeah, 2020 and and now the beginning of 2021 has been an extremely exciting and uh, yeah, it's been a roller coaster of all sorts of experiences from the beginning of lockdown and not really knowing how we're going to deal with that to you know kind of growing and and and, and learning so much throughout that experience over the last 12 months. So yeah, it's been a be very exciting times for us. Great. And your you know, GRIPS USP at the start was to be that self-learning matchmaking engine using you know, artificial technology, advanced algorithms, deep neural networks to constantly learn about professional goals and interests between visitors, exhibitors, and sponsors. At the outset, what pain points instigated the idea for you? Yeah, definitely. It's a great question. So we started really with the kind of uh, looking at networking at events and I was attending a lot of events myself and was really struggling with making sure I was meeting the right people and you know conferences trade shows of all sorts of shapes and sizes and and in that process we we kind of realized that maybe rather than it just being about the interface which we kind of revolutionized the kind of sort of tinder for networking let's say for events so made it really easy for people to engage with each other we saw that actually a big part of the challenge was actually making sure that uh, we were actually able to recommend the right people to meet with each other. So we spent a lot of time, especially in the early years, kind of 2016 to 2018, making sure that we were building algorithms that were able to find the best ways to, to recommend people with each other to make sure that we could really address that challenge. Um, because, you know, I think that when you're at an event, you, you really want to kind of make sure you get the maximum return on time to make sure that you have the right conversations. And you often leave at the end of the day or the end of the event feeling like, oh, I, I could have made better connections. And, and we really wanted to kind of make sure that, that people feel that they were getting the most out of their time at events. No, absolutely. And, and I think now as we've seen that kind of rise of virtual events and then ultimately also virtual event platforms since the you know, pandemic started, companies and, and people really have been looking for even more ways to connect and learn and innovate online in, in a way like we've never seen before. Yeah. Pivoting, I think, from the physical events to virtual showcase so many different benefits to experiment, I'd say, and also to look at new ways of engaging with our audiences, looking at increased data and insight and, and new revenue opportunities. What benefits from, from the virtual environment, I suppose, have you experienced and, and have you seen and perhaps that you might prefer in the virtual environment, which, which wouldn't have been where you might have started out with the business? Yeah, definitely. It's not, I definitely didn't start with, with virtual events, right? Like we focused on improving in-person events when we first kind of launched the business. But I, kind of the way that I look at an event is, is really a kind of planned, synchronous experience where, where people come together to move markets forward fast, right? Like whether it's the COP events for climate change, Davos for, you know, the World Economic Forum events and so forth, or, you know, leading trade shows by, by organizers like Informa, it's like, it's about bringing people together so that they can inspire, connect, and, and engage with each other in order to move markets forward. And I think being restricted to only physical experiences kind of slows that progress down. So the way that I look at it is that virtual events are, are an opportunity to you know, move markets forward even faster by, by making sure people can continuously maybe have smaller groups that they can engage with. So rather than a 10,000 person event is having a more focused event for 500 people that are interested in a particular subject, for example. And that's for us is, is really exciting. So we no longer look at it from 
one event a year, but we really work with organizers to provide that year-round experience. And um, that's, that's a huge part of what we're doing at the moment. Um, and that provides tremendous value beyond where we are today. And, and I think is really going to accelerate uh, organizers into the future, making sure that they can bring the right people together. No, absolutely. And I think it's in the sense of you saying of being the innovation, I think almost that's that's been forced upon us as businesses in, in the pandemic has, has almost given us quite exciting opportunities. And I suppose there are so many companies out there that have struggled through the pandemic, but for you as Grip, it's actually been an opportunity for you to grow. Maybe not necessarily in the way you again initially out, you know, thought of. Um, but certainly your growth has been absolutely phenomenal. So 13 employees in 2019 jumped to 58 by the end of 2020 and expanding into new territories like the US and Dubai. What's it been like leading a business through the pandemic and in a virtual setting? You know, can, you, can you give me one high or one low? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. I now have more employees at GRIP that I've never met in person than that I have. Um, and that's very interesting, right? So like, how do you maintain... Uh, culture and how do you maintain a sort of identity uh, uh, as you as you scale a business that is kind of completely virtually kind of completely virtual now? And I was I was in the Netherlands over Christmas, and you know you realize that you've got your laptop and you close your laptop, and now you know you're just back in the physical world, and it's almost like then the company doesn't exist anymore. It's it's a very kind of abstract thing now that you don't have a physical location that the company is tied to anymore, and I think. That is both a high, right? Like the ability to scale and grow and have people all over the world. And that's 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 very exciting. Um, and, and I think that's definitely been a, an incredible experience. And I think that the low associated with that actually is that, you know, I do think that kind of human connection and, and physical kind of like interaction with people is a sort of kind of trust accelerator and, and does form a sort of identity and culture that is that is more time consuming and more deliberate uh, if you want to do it virtually. So, you know, I definitely think that there is kind of like some 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 elements I'd love to uh, be able to, to do in person again. So, yeah, we, we have got some people coming into the office again, which has been very exciting. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think we can all start to see start to see the path to the return. You have a quote on your website, Tim, networking is an art, matchmaking is a science. Could you tell me more about the science required, you think, to kind of successfully matchmake people? What's, what's the trick to successful networking? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So I think that for us, you know, networking is something that you do kind of you know, as, a, as an interaction between people, right? And, and then there is a sort of magic to that. The matchmaking behind it, we take a very academic approach. So we, we really look at the, the demographical information that, that people have on their profile and very much actually at the behavioral data that we can see of the individual on the platform, as well as kind of the, the demographical information and behavior associated on an anonymized layer across our entire platform. So we can look at these different data sets and identify which groups of people interact with each other. Like a, a perfect example is over the last uh, three years, we've tracked the interest in people that have blockchain on their profile. And we can actually see a complete correlation between uh, the Google trend uh, of interest in blockchain and cryptocurrency and the interest of people that have that on their profiles on Grip. So we can actually see which groups of people are interested in each other and use that data to make sure that we provide more valuable recommendations across the tens of millions of people that, that interact with Grip now. 
It's such interesting insight, isn't it, in terms of actually also being able to look at trends in the market, which I think is also of immense value to, to organisers. I'm going to give you some quick-fire questions now, Tim. Cool. What technology have you found the most useful during the pandemic? You're not allowed to say a grip. Um, well, I mean, probably Slack and Zoom. Those are probably the key ones. If you could go to the pub with any entrepreneur, who would you choose? Dead or alive? Doesn't matter. <laughs> Steve Jobs, uh, and otherwise alive, Elon Musk. Very good. What's the startup you're loving at the moment and why? Um, we started using Notion, and, and actually I was hesitant at the beginning, but actually I think Notion is, is a very powerful tool. I really enjoy it. What do they do? Notion is a, a knowledge base, so it's um, kind of like a company intranet is, is probably the easiest way to describe it. But I think it's uh, Slack is great for you know information that is perishable, but I think you want a kind of permanent storage of information, especially as you grow as quickly as we do, and Notion has been very good for that. Very good. And fill in the bank for me, Tim. To be a founder, you must be... Um, persevering, like you need to like continue on going you can't stop you know just hustle just never stop <laughs> yeah i think many founders can echo echo your sentiments there we were talking i think before about obviously in the in the explosion of virtual events and and the growth in all of that obviously there've been many competitors and new entrants coming into the market and and i think seeing the disruption to our competitive landscape is is also you know similar to what event organizers now now find themselves faced with as well. How do you find and carve out your own lane in that kind of situation when you know many new players are formed? So I think it's very interesting because there is a clear path, I think, to what customers want. Um, and I think that there is then an element of kind of business strategy of how to differentiate yourself. And I think currently what we're seeing in the market is that a lot of platforms are very much focused on being exactly what the customer wants, which is of course great, but it results in a sort of all-in-one undifferentiated product. So we're taking a slightly different approach where we're, we're not kind of completely looking at like trying to build everything ourselves, but more partner with other best-in-breed solutions. And we're, in the coming weeks, we're gonna announce some of these partnerships, which are very exciting um, to make sure that we can continue being focused on building this, what we call market engagement platform, while leveraging some incredible technologies that are out there from great companies. So we don't have to kind of build everything ourselves so that we can create a more differentiated and, and powerful solution that we think in the end is gonna be better for organizers as well. Yeah, no, definitely. I think certainly the partnerships within the startup ecosystem obviously also helps really that scale. Yeah, I think the whole virtual event space is extremely exciting and there is so much growth. And to be honest, every month there is kind of so much, well, every day there is news coming out of companies being acquired, new companies being launched. It's a very kind of interesting time. And uh, a lot of companies have raised funding. So it's probably maybe like 50 to 100 different kind of virtual event platforms that are really kind of trying to define their strategy now, which is like quite a large number. And I think we've kind of found a very kind of differentiated angle to the way that we approach the market, that we approach our clients and the way that we present ourselves. And I think that is absolutely critical when you're in a fast moving space to stay focused on what you're great at, but simultaneously make sure that you can actually fulfill this kind of 
all-in-one expectation from the clients. Be like, hey, you know, you can use Grip and combine it with these other things to create, and you can actually get all of them from us. But you actually have some other like technologies that might be provided by partners to actually make sure that you have that kind of product uh, depth that that clients are looking for. So that's really the way that we approach it. No, absolutely. And, and I like that kind of approach in terms of it also, I think, enables you to keep innovating and testing in, in new areas. I think certainly what we are thinking about for the future very much so is when we get past the pandemic and we imagine that, you know, face-to-face starts to return, actually, what can we take as the learnings from the virtual environments and the experimentation that we've done into the future business model for us I think in order to enrich the experience for our customers, for our attendees. And actually, one thing we've certainly seen is this has opened us up to audiences in the volume scale international that have never been seen before. So you certainly, a quote from one of your blogs really kind of highlights as as hybrid events bring together the best digital and in-person experiences. One should not outweigh the other. And I think that's, that's really interesting from an organizer's perspective now, which is looking into that future and, and what that landscape looks like. Can you explain what a hybrid event in the future looks like from your perspective? And, and what, what does that mean for your business as well? Completely. I think that organizers, the, f- the first thing that they need to be wary of, and, and I think anyone in any market should, should be wary of, is like when you go through such a disruptive event as, as is the pandemic on an industry, is to be like, We've done it like this for the last 10, 15 years, so it's going to stay the same. And everything is going to go back to normal because, you know, the pandemic is going to be over. That is very, very dangerous because there can be fundamental kind of tectonic shifts that kind of happen in the market that result in a very different landscape. And uh, as 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 a player in a market, you have to adapt to that. And I think that that kind of feeds into the way that we look at hybrid a lot of people are talking about hybrid as a kind of simultaneous experience. So you have a, a virtual event and an in-person event simultaneously happening at the same days of, 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 of a show. And that can certainly work when you have incredible content and you want to live stream that and there is a high interest in kind of participating in that live. Or let's say like, for example, an Apple keynote uh, to, with a new iPhone announcement or something like that. But when you are looking at maximizing your reach and making sure you actually get the most out of the brand that you have as an organizer, I believe that's actually uh, what we call sequential hybrid experience can be much more powerful. So we see organizers doing like maybe four to eight weeks of of online event days um, with different topics every single week. And then during the live event, really focusing on that in-person experience and then afterwards having an opportunity again for people to catch up virtually and maybe kind of some of the connections you might have missed making sure that they can actually catch up on those. So really a much bigger and broader experience that previously people wouldn't have thought of. But I think now, if you look at it with a new lens, uh, you can really create some unique and compelling experiences. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. I think really this has opened up a lot of opportunities for us that I think in an industry actually, which although innovating, doing it in small increments, has actually really opened us up to, to new opportunities and I think to many new partnerships as well. Yeah. You've um you've just recently completed another round of funding. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, what's it like fundraising in a pandemic compared to your to your initial seed round? And, and and what's changed for founders, do you think, over the pandemic? 
Well, certainly in our market, it's it's a very hot space. So some of the other players in the market raising funding definitely had a had an impact on the conversations we were having with investors. They it was a a way to to showcase how how big the potential was in this industry and a, a form of validation that resulted in very different conversations. So it was no longer is this market big enough, but instead, how are you going to capture this market and how do you differentiate? And so that really the, the, the conversations changed quite rapidly over the last year. And because we were growing so extremely quickly, um, you know, growth was also no longer really a concern. Like previously we were growing like two, 2.5 X, and now we were approaching like 3.5 to 4 X uh, growth per year. So that of course resulted in very different conversations that we were having with investors, which accumulated into our series A. I think for, for founders, I'm not sure fundamentally much has changed. Like I think that the best way to, to work with investors at any level is, is to really find a partner and work through what your company's vision is. Um, I think you can run like a competitive process at Series A, but um, there is now so much money out there that I think investors are really looking for kind of to partner with startups. And once you get kind of become a hot deal, you can run a kind of competitive process if you want to. Um, but you know that's that's kind of a choice I think that founders can make. Do I run a competitive process where I try to get as many funds into a term sheet situation, or do I approach it more where, where I really partner with someone to really think through the story? And those are kind of two different approaches that I think you have to kind of determine ahead of time. And having great advisors from your seed perspective that you can really work with on that, I think is critical. Like we, even for this round, we had several external advisors that kind of worked with me on, on perfecting our pitch deck, the story, kind of working through some of those questions that investors would be asking. I think you want to put your time and diligence into the preparation of it. And that is extremely important because if you don't do that, I think you can come across, yeah, it's, it, can, it can come across like a little bit, uh, you know, unprepared, let's say. Mm, yeah. And you mentioned advisors. How important do you think the role of kind of accelerators, mentoring schemes, other programs are in, in building the network and in enabling you to get that successful funding and, and launching and scaling your business? Who is your mentor? I've had I've had some incredible mentors like Arnaud Massanet from, from the founder of Metaporter, uh, Andreas Rasmussen from Nodes, uh, Jeremy Roche now, the founder of Financial Force and our current chairman. Like I've really been privileged to have some some incredible people that I've been able to work with throughout the uh, the last couple of years. Um, Brent, of course, from from Founders Forum as well. And and I think for me, really, what what that is about is, you know, I, I go for a walk at like six seven o'clock every night, and I just have a list of about twenty people, and and you know, I'll just call like every one of them every now and then, like once a week or so, uh, to to catch up on you know just things that I have on my mind. And depending on what I'm kind of dealing with, I'll call somebody else. Some people I call almost every day. Others I call like maybe once every two weeks. But I think it's a very helpful way for me to to kind of think through different problems and get a different perspective. Like different people give different perspectives and ask different questions and challenge you in different ways. Sometimes you just need somebody to to know you know help you get work through things or, or really looking for passion and just kind of like, oh, Tim, you know, you'll be all right. Just keep on going. And sometimes you really want a critical eye on things. So I think depending on what you're looking for, you might go to different people. And I think, you know, either you're in a fortunate position that, you know, you've been able to interact with those people, but I think that that's not necessarily for everyone. And I think that accelerators are a very powerful way to help people that 
might not have a very big network to be able to access that. And I think therefore a kind of democratization of getting access to great mentors is I think a very important role for, for accelerators and is extremely helpful for to actually get more startups into the ecosystem. Yeah, no, absolutely. Was entrepreneurship something you always thought you would do? Or did you fall into the kind of opportunity? Obviously you started in tech and, and did that perhaps naturally lean you towards being being more entrepreneurial and and I suppose you mentioned earlier perseverance was something that is absolutely needed to be a founder but what else would you say perhaps with a bit more time to reflect what does it take to to be cut out to be an entrepreneur well I think my my dad is an entrepreneur and my mom is extremely creative and so I born with it (laughs) born with it yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Like, uh, the first thing that I started was selling potatoes um, next to uh, my company's, my dad's company uh, at the, the side of the road. Uh, and then I had, I've had like four or five different businesses by the time I was 20 um, with various degrees of success, um, but all kind of key learning experiences and some were very small scale and some are slightly bigger. But yeah, like the first kind of thing that I did was like when I was like 14, 15. So I think I always knew that uh, I was probably going to end up in some kind of entrepreneurial situation. Um, but I never, like, I actually never expected it to necessarily be in technology. That was only something I started doing when I was like 20, 21. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's been a very interesting journey in that regard. And what's next for Grip? So... We're currently at about 70 people and growing to about 100 and really focused on putting this big kind of vision for our market engagement platform as as a new category of software into the market. And that's a key thing that we're working on at the moment. So continuing to scale the business and and making sure that we really professionalize a lot of our kind of processes internally, build better products and just being a great company to work for for people. Like we've got our mission statement to move markets forwards and then you know, one is focused on the business, the other one is to be a place of ambition and kindness for people to do their best work. And, and I think that's a really important part, especially in this time. Like, I think that people feel a lot of kind of stress and, 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 and you know, can be quite alone during kind of uh, the, the pandemic. So we really want to make sure that we support people in kind of growing and, and, and being a great place to come to work with, which is a big focus for us as we continue scaling the, the organization over the coming years. Sounds good. I think... Tim, it's been uh, it's been a, a massively fascinating year in many respects uh, for us all, both on the uh, both from the industry perspective of watching your platform develop, uh, from from our perspective about watching our perhaps industry be turned upside down, but certainly I think the innovation, the experience, the collaboration that we've had, it's been you know it's an outright pleasure to be a customer of Grip and to also talk with you. I think over those over the year about what the future might look like and the innovation to come. So really exciting. Thank you very much. Thank you. Really enjoyed it and, and glad I was on here. And likewise, it's a pleasure to work together and to, uh, to be on the podcast together. Thank you. That's it for this week's episode of Elevating Founders. If you have any questions or comments, head over to our social channels linked in the show notes to join the conversation or email us at elevatingfounders@informa.com. If you enjoyed this episode, we would really appreciate it if you could rate and subscribe to our podcast. See you next time.